What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. I'm your host, Jake. You'll see me around as Jake Blockchain. And today, we have Drew Falkman on the podcast. Drew is an OG of crypto. He's been around since uh, the ICO days of Stacks. And uh, yeah, this is part of my Stacks Grant series. So we're kind of deep diving into not only what the builders are building, but also kind of like how they're interacting with all the different uh, initiatives and programs that the foundation does offer to enable builders to build. And Drew is a unique guy because he's kind of been through the gauntlet of all the things that they kind of offer. And so I believe at one point he was an advocate and he's a past grant recipient. He is a current Stacks resident and he also recently applied for the stacks accelerator cohort number two so he's probably the most well-versed guy out there that's touched all the different ways that the foundation enables builders to bring their stuff to life and really like let the ecosystem grow from the stuff that gets built on top of it so yeah we cover a ton in this conversation from how he got into crypto and his initial kind of like conceptions of building on the blockchain as a product guy from uh why DAO tooling and community management out of all the things you could build what is so interesting about that topic as well as how it's been being a stacks resident and a bunch of other stuff so let me not talk your ear off let's let drew do his thing and talk about building DAO infrastructure among the many other things that he's interested in so yeah, let's jump into this conversation with Drew Falkman, Stacks resident. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Drew, what's up, my man? How are you doing today? Hey, Jake. Good to see you. I'm uh, I'm happy to have you on. Um, I want to go back a little bit because when I first found out about you. We both were in the Civita Guild Discord, and I think we we're everyone's kind of there for City Coins. We're all there to mine, I believe. Yeah. And there was the initial launch of Miami Coin, and then there was the hackathon, which I think was like a month later. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing your name. I saw this guy named Drew, and he immediately was like, "He was like, hey, who wants to build something? You, 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 come with me." And you just like mm-hmm. we're gathering the troops and then disappearing. Like I wouldn't see you for like almost a week. And you pop back up for air and like say hello, and you come back with like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what yeah, this guy, this is crazy. And so I'm just curious back then, like, well, just what's some of your background where you can kind of pop into a Discord and then take charge of this thing that we now know as Miami Voice? So I actually ended up in Civita because I was I was just poking around in stacks. Um I'm not sure where I was poking around, but I was just messaging people on Twitter and I was in discord and doing things. And, uh, Luis, uh, Luis Yvonne, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, but, uh, who works at the foundation, he had discovered that I had done some other tool a few years ago in a different blockchain that was around DAOs. And he was like, Hey man, you should do this. You should bring that over here and do this in stacks because we need some DAO tooling. Um, so I was like, all right. Um, and then I was looking for a home for that. And Asteria, who at the time was Poseidon, reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you come do that in Saibita? And so I, I had a little meeting with him and 
chatted about what Saivita was. And so I came in and that, that was pretty early in the, in the Saivita, before it was called Saivita, it was called uh, Metaverse, I think. So that's how I ended up in there. So I was kind of low key working on the Dow West and I, I'd gotten a grant from the foundation um, and I was working on it. And then as we were working on it, all this Miami stuff came up and started thinking well, this would be a great application for a DAO voting tool. Like imagine if a whole city was a DAO, how cool would that be? Like everyone can vote on what they do and, and they even have a treasury. It's, you know, the mining funds from generating Miami coin. So it just seemed like a great fit. So I was just grabbing people be like, all right, come on guys, let's do this. Let's get this thing done. But that's my background. I'm a product guy. You know, I, I ran uh, like a product and strategy consulting division. I sort of grew it in a, in a consultancy for a few years before, before jumping, you know, fully into crypto. And how, how, how was your transition into crypto when you first got your feet wet? What drew you to crypto as a product guy? Well, there's definitely a lot of opportunity for product people in crypto. Um, you know, it's a lot of very technical people. So, um, you know, a lot of the user interfaces are kind of the last thought. Um, or as, as like Trevor says at the Accelerate, he's like, you know, when you're competing for design, it's already a pretty saturated space and we're just not there yet. So there's a lot of opportunity. But I, I ended up, you know, I got into Bitcoin about 2012. I had an e-commerce company for wine that I was running. And I just coincidentally ran into it at the same time, but I ended up plugging it in so you could buy one with Bitcoin. And then was just sort of following it through then. And then 2017, you know, when that last sort of big flurry came, got really into it and a bunch of ICOs actually bought some block stack back then, their initial coin, coin release. And I was doing some, I learned Ethereum um, I actually have a course in the LinkedIn learning library on Ethereum. I'm, I'm going to be updating that soon, but I just got into it and just was kind of building things and I love it. And so I've always kind of been doing that on the side, but it wasn't until last year really where I just totally said, let's do this a hundred, hundred percent. Nice. Not looked back. Yeah. It's funny for me in 2017, I was like deterring my friends from Bitcoin because they were being degener degenerates and trying to like bet their paycheck on a weekend, hope it goes <laughs> up and then sell it by Monday. And I was like, please don't do that, bro. You're going to, you're going to not make red. This is going to be a problem. And then, so I was like being the clear conscious mind, tell my friends who are being, in my opinion, stupid, but now I'm here too. And I'm, I'm like fully bought in. And then I can, I can totally see what you're saying about there's so much need for UX and good design and onboarding experiences. What's your fascination with the governance part, though, or, get, or like bringing people together and this kind of like collectiveness? You know, I think for me, what kind of happened last year when I was poking around all this stuff, the, the original DAO application that I made, the reason why I'd come up with that was because of wine. I, I originally was going to build like a crypto thing for for wineries. And that, so there's a whole problem in the wine industry. And I, I won't talk too much about this, but there's like all these middle people that are taking money out. And so the really good wineries, they can only make, you know, like 10,000 cases a year. And the markup is so, they, they can't get enough markup to even really have one full salary. I started a winery with a friend in Portland and that's how I knew this. 
And I realized quickly, we weren't both going to be able to draw a salary from this company unless we became like a boutique winery, which is, you know, that's a, a shoot the moon kind of thing. So I, I thought, well, what if wineries could sell directly to consumers and then they're getting all the all of the sort of markup um, and they can even sell for a little bit less and the consumers save some money as well. So then I thought, well, what if wineries could then create their own DAO so that instead of like my startup was just another sort of middle person, what if they could create a DAO and then they could use that DAO to build whatever they wanted. They could create their own reward token. They could create their own e-commerce website, whatever. And it all comes sort of out of this treasury and then they would own it going forward. And so that's how I ended up initially getting into it with the first thing that I built, which is called Taoist. And then from then on, once I sort of went down the rabbit hole of DAOs and looking into community, uh, it's just so cool how you can have a bunch of people get together that don't know each other because of this technology, because it's trustless and do something together, right? Like Constitution DAO, you know, I wouldn't do that randomly with a bunch of strangers. Let's go buy the Constitution. Here's 50 bucks, right? But would I contribute some ETH to something? that's going to be tokens and that's going to be fractional ownership in the constitution. Yeah, maybe that's kind of cool actually. Right. So it's cool that this technology does this. And then you see further the NFT projects that do really well are ones that have great community and people buy the NFTs, not because of the art necessarily, but because it's access to that community, they can be in the board API club or Megapond, And, and that's like something cool. And there's value to that. Um, and that's really cool to me. That's fascinating. So that's, that's where I, um, that's where my passion is right now, at least. I mean, I think it's all awesome, but, but I think the community aspect is really cool. That's you, you touched on a few things. I just want to reflect on for a sec. The, the wine aspect is super interesting because one of the hard parts about DAOs is that, I mean, we're all trying to figure it out and you're trying to get alignment, but when you have a community, that's already kind of cl- like a click like a being a wine connoisseur, like there already is, there's already kind of like vineyard, like loyalty groups. So like you kind of know that, that group, but you have like your right. neighborhood group or a Portland group. And so they're already probably going to be willing to uh, go through the headache of trying to figure out a DAO because the mm-hmm. upside for them might be worth the learning curve. Right. So that's super interesting. I like that a lot. And the aspect of like, the transparency of like a constitution DAO where like I, I can give someone 20 bucks for a nonprofit and I hope it goes to somewhere good and I can feel good knowing I gave that to a good cause, but a DAO kind of does that at scale with mm-hmm. accountability and transparency where, you know, mm-hmm. we're voting together, your 20 bucks is accounted for, and we're putting it towards these three things. Yep. Totally. I love that a lot. That's, I, I haven't thought about it so clearly like that. Um, when someone asks you then, what is a DAO? It's a hard definition. What is your, oh, I mean, what, what's your current one? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think generally it's, it's, you know, I don't know. The name is kind of weird, decentralized autonomous organization. Um, but the interesting thing is autonomous, right? That That's the interesting piece of it. And I, I think the key is, is it's, having a group that can come together and because of the the core reason why they're together and because of web3 technologies they're able to create a system that 
essentially will like self-perpetuate because you have, you know, internally anyone can come up with a good idea that anyone else can vote on and that can become sort of the next mission of the DAO. And so, you know, I, I guess that's the closest. It's not, it's not brief, but it's, it's the closest is, you know, having a group of people that are organized around a uniting principle and everyone is empowered to contribute and to vote at an equal scale. I mean, the possible ways that we can take that are huge, you know, and that's why like Paul Krugman had an article the other day in New York times. And he was saying how, you know, coins don't do anything and processing is more expensive than visa processing and all, all this. And it's like, well, you don't get it. Do you? <laughs> you don't hold any, you don't hold any tokens. Yeah. Yeah. And you just don't understand like, okay. Yep. Yeah, on Ethereum, it is more expensive, but not everywhere. And it's not just about processing and it's not just about money. That's the thing about this technology. It's, it goes way beyond that. But those things feel like the ability to generate a token and have it fractionally represent something. So you can have a DAO and that DAO's purpose is to buy the constitution. We'll just keep going with that. But it could be to buy a house in, you know, Park City, Utah. And then everyone who joins the DAO then owns a fractional share and that entitles them to whatever access to the house in Park City. And they can keep it or they can sell it, you know, at any time. Um, and it's great, like investment too, you know, there's so many things aren't, you can't sell them. Like if you want to be an angel investor and you invest in a company, you've got to wait till a liquidity event until you get any of that money back, right? But if, if it's fractionalized, then you can sell it to someone else. If you need that money for something, you can sell someone else those shares without it being publicly traded. And that's just one, one example. I mean, there's so many ways that you can use these tokens for rewarding people and, and doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, but I digress. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to explain to someone who isn't in the community or at least holding a token with, with a community that they kind of like care about. Mm -hmm. To explain the, the, it's like a really unspoken bond of being a token holder and I, I forgot who said it but someone said that tokens are the way that you enter and exit communities and i like mm -hmm. that i like that verbiage because that's what it feels like where mm -hmm. if i'm bullish on something i can buy it and if i'm no longer carrying the direction i could sell it and it's hard for people that are like you know if you if you like pool like playing pool at the bar or something you go to a pool league and there's like unspoken rules but you're all there for a certain reason S mm -hmm. similar people and as long as everyone acts somewhat accordingly and it doesn't be a douche or whatever it is, like you're, you're one of the pool guys and you're part mm -hmm. of the guy and you show up with your stick and that's that kind of thing. It, it's something like that where this, this virtual thing uh, aligns you with this imaginary group that has no boundaries and you're all mm -hmm. working towards a certain mission. But in your, as you're kind of like researching these things, do you think, and this just came to mind as listening to you talk, how much of it, because you said self-perpetuating, which I find that that language fascinating. How much of it currently do you think comes from people like the founders and the mission first, and they try and adhere to that versus like changing as it goes? I'm, I'm having trouble with the language, but like Bitcoin mm -hmm. is 
immovable because the community doesn't move it. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's certain communities where they set, they set the tone and then mm-hmm. people kind of like listen to the founders and they, they almost are like the North star that people are then continuously aiming at. And the community holds that line. How mm-hmm. have you seen anything about this kind of like setting it first and building a DAO versus like an organic DAO from the ground up and then the community like almost flourish out of the ground? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I haven't seen many organic DAOs that just sort of appear and then are self-run by everyone. You know, a lot of times we talk about other people that I know that are working on DAO tooling and community tooling talk about the idea of sort of progressive decentralization where, you know, you start out and maybe everyone doesn't vote, right? You start out with your NFT release and, you know, your first whitelist and all that. And then you kind of build the character and the culture of the group, right? And then as that grows, then you open some things up to vote. And then as more people contribute and then ideas start coming, and then people start contributing more and I want to build something and I want to do this. And I mean, we've seen this with a lot of communities and stacks of city coins is a great example of that. You know, it started out with Miami coin was the first and it was a concept. I mean, I remember when Patrick was talking about it in Saivita and like, Hey guys, what about this? What if cities could have a coin? What, what would that look like? You know, and just sort of ideating on it. And then sort of Miami came the first one and then people started mining it and then building tools around mining and other people built tools and then people built things so that they could see how much they had stacked because there wasn't a tool for that. And then, you know, and then it sort of evolved and then the hackathon came and then there's other tools and, and NFTs that you can mint with those tokens and, and it's growing and growing to the point where now there's like all kinds of builders and it's gathering its own steam. And I think that's what's happening in a lot of DAOs and you're absolutely right about the founders is, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like, it's kind of like a, a, like a company. If you ever worked at a company that had a good culture, it's like the, you know, the people who started the company and, and the people who usually the founders had an idea for how that culture should be. And if they stuck to that and they hired to that, then that culture ended up perpetuating on down and somehow it would just kind of keep going as as new people were hired because everyone sort of got that that was what it was. And it's rare. It's hard to find companies like that. But the, the consulting company I worked at was kind of like that. And that was really cool. And I think it's like that with DAOs. If the founders set a good vision and have a great idea for like how things should be and they encourage certain things within the group and reward people who are doing those things and ban people who are doing things that are you know, antagonistic to the group, um, or at least like converse with them. You don't have to ban them. Maybe that's a little harsh, but, um, you know, let them know, Hey, that's not, that's not how we do things here. The tone gets set and the group will perpetuate that tone. People will see that vision, um, and they'll, they'll start to own it. And other people will bring in new nuances. You know, it'll be interesting to see, cause I still think we're super early with all this. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how these things evolve. I mean, I'm excited for the day when you can work for a DAO, right? You can just join a DAO and then all of a sudden, you know, your, your talents are known and you're, and you're going to work and you're like, oh gosh, I'm getting a paycheck now, you know, and the DAO maybe will offer benefits and healthcare and like all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think that's that far off. And I don't think that that's 
that much of a pipe dream. I think there are, they can totally be self-sustaining like that. I agree. And something you, I've heard you speak about in the past is, um, you know, one of the hard things about DAOs or about decentralization, especially in this kind of like online only discord era is that there's so many ways that value is given out. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to spot it and even more so hard to reward it. Or how do you weight the rewards? You know, Mm -hmm. so like someone who's doing discord moderation for 12 hours a day on a super busy discord can save, you know, a hundred people from a scam, but Mm -hmm. they're doing it out of an act of love or they'll be underpaid than the person who's a dev. And it's like those, those hard things are the hard problems to solve because a community that has a powerful like community manager can be worth its weight in gold compared to someone else. I want to double click though on what you're working on. What what have you been working on in the in the residence program with DAOS? Yeah, so that's actually a great transition um, because what I'm working on now is it's actually called Friends now, F R E N S, and it's okay. at Friends Place. And I literally just got like the website up today and got things kind of working today. So um, um, it's a soft launch. But I guess once this comes out, everyone will know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the idea is, you know, really looking into the community aspect. And right now, all the community really is happening in Discord. So where we're starting is connecting the wall to Discord, number one. Connecting the blockchain to the community, right? And so that allows you to, you know, verify someone's wallet address. And this is stuff that everyone was doing manually a lot of times or building their own tooling for so that you can whitelist, right? And then... Once there's a a token of whatever kind, then you want to know who holds the token and then you can do gatekeeping based on the tokens that they hold, right? If they have a megapod, then they get access to all the members sort of groups and whatnot. That's kind of where we are right now. That's live. That works right now. And the next piece of this is getting into like, how do you grow the community? Because that's the next thing. And, And we're still at that stage in stack. So how can we grow this? And so we're looking at one is like let's let's sort of clean things up and add some of the key things into this tool that we're building so we don't need to have like captcha bots we're going to have invite tracking so that that with auto roll settings so that we don't have to do that that's another thing that mods spend a lot of time on is like whitelisting people so when you get 10 invites then you get whitelisted and you know, I've been I've been sitting on as a mod in a lot of different some of these big groups. They've been nice enough to sort of include me, and I, I try and help, but I, I don't know how much value I bring. Really. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting, and there's a lot of stuff that they're doing manually, and you know that's time that could be spent getting conversations going and finding out who everyone is in the group. So saving them time is another thing. So one plugin that kind of does all that stuff, and then adding some interactive bots and things for scavenger hunts for um you know playing games and and doing things that give people a reason to come to discord and and to converse with one another and chat um and just to drive engagement and then the next piece after that is getting into reputation which you just brought up so that you can see who's who are the active people who are the people that hold a lot of tokens, right? So we have that. But who are the people that, you know, are chatting a lot in the group that even though they're not mods, who, you know, who's like participating in these 
votes and things that we do within the group and just getting an idea of who's who and and some of the some of these sort of interactive tools will allow them to gain points by doing things you can also connect social so people who are outwardly promoting you know they can be rewarded too because ultimately a lot of this reputation stuff is is so that you can reward them so you can encourage people to have good behavior in the group and then know who they are so they that you can reward them and that's one of the things you said is you know we don't know who's who inside of the inside of discord right you just it's at whomever and some people are pseudonymous and so you don't really know who people are and what their skills are are they a dev are they a designer are they moderator type person are they a content creator you know what what do they do and so having a way to identify those people is something that i think is going to be important and then the other piece of that cuz ours is all multi tenant so you can be in multiple discords and ideally if whatever discords are using our tool you'd be able to port your reputation with you and then i want people to own it so they can turn it on and off if they want to hide it from one guild great they want crash punks to see it because they're participating a lot and you know they want to get rewarded by airdrops and stuff great they can show it to them but maybe they don't want some other group to see it for whatever reason that's up to them so having their ownership and that's just part of i think that's part of the ethos of of decentralization um and you know and then other tools for for moderators and things and then eventually we'll get into dao tooling and i you know i don't know if we're going to integrate with someone else at that point or or what we'll do but that that's kind of the vision of what we're working on very cool and the current conception it's a discord plugin but then most of the most of the interaction of the graphic ui is on friends.place is that where you would like change your settings or see what people's progress or reputation is yeah you will right now there's there's not much there right now it's like the only thing that's there right now is the you know setting it up for admins and some help things um and then there's, you know, eventually there will be a lot. We're working on that. Uh, we've got like designs and stuff that were wireframes at this point, but we'll build a whole web app around that where admins and mods can, you know, turn on and off features and, um, you know, they can add like their contract, for example. So if they have a new NFT release, they can add that contract in and say, you know, if anyone has this, you can assign this role to them, whatever. Very cool. Yeah, this is definitely and then users that I could profile. use. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, this is fantastic. And there's a ton I could touch on here, but I'm already realizing that we've talked for almost a half hour and I try <laughs> and keep these to about that time. So it's flying. Yeah. And I want to touch on, I want to touch on, so part of this video series is trying to get more people to interact with the foundation and apply for grants, mm -hmm. just get the word out. And um, so we'll have to do a round two, maybe and deep dive as you, as you keep building this out. Cause this is, I mean, just the growth and the reputation aspects, those, those could be like, episodes so yeah, totally but yeah how is the how has the process been of i guess i didn't know you initially applied for a previous grant and then you became a, a resident but maybe we'll start with the resident how how is the you were the part of the first cohort how's the resident yep. program been so far yep. it's been great you know I, i'm a big fan of the foundation and everyone there and i just I think they're doing a great job with what what they're doing and not in like some of these blockchain foundations they're just throwing money at people and that that's their whole thing is just they're just investing money in all these different projects and and whatnot but I think it's 
you know, the eye to this sort of vision and like doing things right that they have with, um, you know, that Jenny and Mitchell and, and Brittany and everyone has over there. Shannon is really just about like, let's grow a good community and let's empower people to sort of build tools that empower other people and create these like cycles of, you know, goodness to keep things going. So uh, I have deep respect and it's been cool where they, they, they're flexible on, because they recognize that sort of the vision changes as you work on it. And as you talk to more people, so they allow for that and that, you know, they were very clear in the application process. Like we're looking for things that are going to advance the Stacks ecosystem. And so what do you contribute and why is that? So, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been a big fan of, of the whole process. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And I've always been impressed with how they can take, you know, they'll get a project that might not make sense, but they'll be able to like tell you no in such a good constructive way that mm-hmm. like, it's almost like, we're still leaving the door pretty wide open. Like mm-hmm. if we just shift this a little bit or maybe we can change this or how can we help? So mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've been very impressed with, there's an art form to like shifting someone and telling you like, it's not, no, it's just not right now. Or like, this isn't mm-hmm. quite the project, but you have skills that we can definitely use. It's very humanist. It's very like, it's a great community in that way. Cause it's like their good community is developed when you recognize the community is just a bunch of individuals and they like respect every person in the community and that's and it comes out in the work that they do that and that's what's that's what's cool totally agree do you think if you applied for this as a grant versus a resident would it have gone this way maybe i mean i kind of did i started out with dow west that was the first grant that i did um, I actually didn't complete the end of that because we ended up the the whole project pivoted and then we ended up building Miami Voice and then ended up doing this community thing. You know, that's how life works sometimes. But um, you know, the challenge with grants is that they're well, for one, I'm not like I can code, but I'm not a day-to-day coder. You know, I'm a product guy. So, you know, if it was just me coding. I could maybe make it work grant after grant and submit the, submit the things, but, you know, 10,000 bucks, which is what my original grant was for Dow West. Um, you know, it's tough to get a dev team going and really build. I had big ambitions for that and really build that out in the right way. Um, you know, so it's challenging. It, it would have been a lot of grant. I would have had to like keep upping for the next grant. I maybe could have done it, um, but it would have been very shoestring. Um, and this, you know, the, what was nice about the residence program, look, the, the grants program, I'll say, is if you have something you want to build and you have a vision for it and you have like everything you need to build it, there's money there for you to build that thing. And we did that once. Um, my, I was working with a guy named DC before on this. He's, he's a resident also um, on this project. And he had this idea for this sort of, gift card thing called dcards.art where you could send gifts and it ended up like we got it out late and then the megapod robots thing happened and so it was like it was a tough week so it didn't all go as well as we had hoped um but it's still there it's built and we got a grant for that and that was great we like had this finite vision we needed some extra time and some extra resources and so we got this grant and got it done and it was great and if we wanted to do something else so long as we could 
provide that it was going to benefit the Stacks ecosystem, you can go back for more. So it's a good it's it's a good resource, and I know StackerDAO has done some in that methodology, and some others have where they've sort of built things. So it can work. You know, for me, a lot of what I'm trying to figure out is what exactly do we need? Like, how do you grow a community? What are the important things in this community? I, I still have a lot of questions. So for me, I need to do a lot of user research. I want to play around with some designs. I want to get them in front of people. I want to get feedback. I want to test some things and, and see how things are going to grow. And that gets a little more challenging to do that kind of stuff on a grant. You know, so the residence program was good for that because I was able to, one is the legitimacy of being with the foundation. You know, I was able to talk to the CEO of Moonray. You know, I was a crash punk moderator. It got me in all the sort of big communities that were happening and I learned so much from it. So that's, that's a huge piece of it, you know, and then, and then we can still apply for grants through, you know, as residents. So if like we did with D cards, you know, so if you think of something else, you can always just do that. So it, it works really well together. And by the way, I, I just have to have a plug for Will Corcoran. He's awesome. He's such a great new addition to the grants team and how he's running that is like, Super awesome. Yeah. No, Will has been one of the coolest additions because just seeing his like rise to fame almost of like being on Twitter, we all kind of get to know him. He's in the Cyber to Guild, this and that, and then gets mm-hmm. this. And he's been really hard charging and like owning being the grants program manager. And it seems it seems like a natural fit for him. He's I mean, I think he's on his week right now. Yeah. Which so he's funny, he, but he's recovering architect <laughs> as he puts it. So that's good. Yeah. Um, which is always a good, I like that as like a, a proof of concept too, because you'll get people uh-huh. who crypto is not for me. And it's like, well, this guy designed buildings for 20 years and he's doing it at a high level too. So maybe you can too, man, like give it a shot. But uh, yeah, I think he's on his week off right now. And he's just like on Twitter consuming content and just interacting and stuff like that's his, yeah, that's, that's, his, that's, that's his downtime now. Yeah. So, yep. but no, yeah, it's I great. Think, I think the way his ambassador program is cool too. Sorry, sorry. No, it it definitely is. But yeah, I think it's it kind of sounds like too the the real benefit to some of these these nuances is like the grants program is for more clear cut things where you know how to achieve something and you kind of have a blueprint and you can just execute. Mm-hmm. And the residence program is almost more for like exploring uncharted territory that mm-hmm. it's almost like a moonshot factory in some sense mm-hmm. where it's a little more risque and the per- and you just want. You just want good executors that are going to ask good questions and explore unfound territory. And they may come back with just peered like diamonds. Yeah. And that's, it, it, that's the kind of like the, the, I guess it's risk. It's kind of risky ish. Cause it, it's just not clear. It's not clear with what exactly you're going in for, but then you see things like, like you start to build out Dow West friends place, different things. And mm-hmm. they hopefully become these tools that we all use. Well, last question, kind of closing this out. I always like to end on kind of like a more positive note and like forward looking. So if we're looking like, let's say three years out, which is like mm-hmm. a dec- a decade in crypto time, uh, <laughs> what, what is, what is what you're building look like? Or how is the, how is the community like interacting with it in like a, mm-hmm. a perfect shoot for the moon, like perfect 10 home run look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, the way I see it is it's going to empower people in Stacks to create 
amazing communities that are super engaging and people are going to have a better idea of who others are and what they can contribute, which means that it's going to essentially move from just being like a group of randos into these like solid groups of individuals who want to contribute and can contribute. And I think there's going to be all kinds of amazing DAOs at that point in time and amazing communities, you know, and people are going to be able to make a living off of this and just live in a total decentralized world. And maybe they're a member of two or three DAOs and that's how they earn their income. And not just from an income standpoint either. There's people are going to be able to find groups, find like-minded groups, and those groups are going to know what these people can contribute and they're going to be welcomed into the groups of like-minded people and more connections, which is cool. That's exciting. More connections around technology, um, but like real connections and meaningful. And, you know, I think we all know that like when you work with people and when you do things together based on like a vision and a passion you have, you become much closer to those people. And so you can make really solid connections in this way. So I'm really excited for that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the more I get to know people like you, talk to people around the crypto space, there is so much, like everyone's so fascinating and there's so much potential and everyone has their own unique skill set. But you have to start fresh almost every time you meet someone new and you have to mm-hmm. kind of like over many conversations or DMs or maybe you can see what they're building. Like, okay, this guy's mm-hmm. good at video or this guy's good at whatever. But with some kind of dashboard or reputation score, you can have some kind of history of like, okay, mm-hmm. that person's world-class at this thing. Then you can build a little bit more rapport quicker on seeing these diverse skill sets of like, okay, that guy's an a great trader or a designer or whatever it is, developer. And then we can just get back to while we know that as like a data point, we can keep building rapport and keep building community while we know like that guy's the ninja at that thing. I, I think that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited because I might end up being like the poster boy for stacks. Like I started with the grant. And I got the residence program and now I'm applying to the accelerators. <laughs> Heck yeah. So it's like, if that all happens, it'll be like, I just like went through the whole gauntlet and then just get shot on on the other end, you know? <laughs> love it. Love it. Let's love see, it. To yeah. the moon after there's that. Gonna, there's going to be a Hulu documentary on Drew Falkman. <laughs> As, when, <laughs> when, when, when it's Bitcoin and stacks and they're that big, it's going to be you that's going to be like, this This guy's like, been this is the, the guy. He beginning. just like shot the moon. He was a freeholder. Yeah. He was there at the, at the ICO, all that. Yeah. 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 Love it. Well, uh, man, this has been fantastic. I think people are going to love this. I know that community builders are desperately wanting what you're building. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to. I'm 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 going to go after and try this out right now. So it's live as of. I can go to friends dot yep. right now and check it out. Yeah, that's like that's more marketing stuff. But if you go to install dot friends dot place, that's where like the setup stuff is, and and you can just like plug it in there's a setup link there perfect install it in discord and see what it's all about i just gave you guys all the alpha you know where to go now so mm-hmm. check out what he's building uh if you're intrigued by what you just heard check out the foundation maybe apply for a grant maybe a residency you know we all got something to give and you know we're just trying to we're just trying to unlock bitcoin via stacks so that's it uh drew thank you so much man i appreciate you Thanks for having me, Jake. Good to see you.
Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong.